1: Welcome to the Millennial Politics Podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Valerie. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And today I'm joined by Lee Castillo, Democratic nominee for Congress in Utah's First. Thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Uh, Lee Castillo, candidate for Utah's First Congressional District pronouns uh, he, him, and, and theirs.
1: Thank you so much. Lee, I'm very excited to have you on. I am a bit biased. You are a Run With Pride candidate, and I serve as National Comms Director at Run With Pride but hopefully I will be able to be just as tough on you as I am with anyone else. Um, With that being said, let's start with something relatively easy. You're a first time candidate. What inspired you to jump into this race?
2: You know, it is, uh, it was definitely a calling after I heard the Trump administration's divisive rhetoric that was, um, that it was attacking, um, you know, people of color, uh, prisoners of war, women, the disabled, transgender uh, individuals, um, Muslims, uh, Mexicans, I mean, you name it. And and they've attacked uh, uh, these people who are in my community. And um, my current representative uh, failed to come out and speak against that. And, And in times where there is divisive rhetoric like that, we need a a leader who, you know, comes in and lets the people that they represent know that somebody has their back and that everything is okay, that they are being representative and their voice matters. It was the divisive rhetoric for sure. And I wanna go there and um and, and help combat that um and create change for for the better. Because we had taken so many steps forward with regards to equality and and I can't imagine Taking these step backs and staying there. I have a, uh, you know, nieces and nephews of uh, you know, brown skin like myself, and and I can't imagine the, a world that that allows just openly blatant discrimination and and allows people to come up to them and just be racist and uh, um, yeah, that's what my slogan is. Is Utah is for everybody, so
1: we want to make sure that everybody has representation. And what could you actually do in Congress to fight this discrimination and ensure that everyone is represented? How does that play into legislating on a federal level?
2: Well, first, um, you know, I want to reassure the people that are in my district by, you know, maybe it's just uh, sending out, you know, um, statements, uh, something in the newspaper, something on social media, letting people know that. That I uh, I don't agree with the administration's comments, and we need to, uh, you know, address the the inequalities with women. We have a huge pay gap. Uh, That's you know the, the inequality in the income is is huge, and we need to equal rights for women. We need to make sure that uh, the marriage equality remains uh, as. Um, you know, that has come under attack. And I think that people deserve to have an opportunity to, to love and be loved and to be respected and work in an environment that's free of harassment and sexual discrimination. And, uh, I think those are issues that, that legislation needs to, to be based around. Um, I also, um, you know, I think that, immigration's a huge issue as well. Uh, and, and making sure that people, you know, just because people are, are come from a different area, we should not allow this administration to inflame those fears of, uh, xenophobia. And, uh, we need to speak out against that. We need to be proactive, um, Instead of like reactive, we have an opportunity right now to uh, we have a caravan of people coming to uh, to America, and we have an opportunity to be true leaders and send people out there to begin a vetting process before these people take this trek that could uh, could be the end of them before they even get here, and and start vetting people because people have already been granted asylum in Mexico. So, I mean, the humane thing is to allow them to to stay in Mexico and let them know. And, and instead of responding with machine guns to mothers with two year olds and um, infants in their arms, uh, I, I don't think that we should be shoving machine guns in their faces. And um, there's definitely um, uh, we should bring back humanity into politics, into our uh, conversations. And how do we be? Um, better for all people. um, and I just I'm really big on, well, you know, we've talked before, and I'm openly um, I'm openly gay and and I, and I don't want uh discrimination uh, to be a factor when people are being hired. Um, you know those are housed. Uh, uh, you know, somebody should not look at your orientation as a qualifying factor or a disqualifying factor. Um, so those are some things that we can uh, begin with with legislation to, to rally around.
1: So there are a lot of important points there I'd like to hit on. The first is immigration. Could you tell us about your immigration platform? Absolutely. I, I believe in humanity and enforcement. We
2: need to um, realize that We're not the only adults. You're not the only ones watching the news. We have kids that are watching uh, along with us, and what they see and hear from the administration is that people who are brown are bad. People who are brown are criminals. The people who are brown are gangsters, murderers, rapists, and we need to we need to counteract uh, counter that with uh, love and inclusion, and making sure that you know Americans feel. Welcome, and that, and that, you know, we, we can't stand silent like our, our Congressman, uh, Congressman Bishop has, uh, as well as many other Utah legislators who sat silent. And, and that's not, that's no longer an option when our democracy is being attacked. I do believe that, um, right here in Utah, in my district, we have a lot of rural areas and, uh, we, farmers rely on people. Uh, who have uh, migrated here to work on their farms, so we have a lot of farms and that that are possibly gonna be filing bankruptcy because they don't have anybody to work their farms. so I believe that you know a Lago should not be the only people who get who who get an opportunity to hire people um with with worker visas. I think that we need to create a worker visa program for people who are already here. We, I mean, it's not, it's common knowledge that people are already here and hiding in the shadows. Uh, some people are being paid under the table. Why not bring that out into the light and allow people to, to work in these, uh, these jobs that they used to work before and allow these farms to thrive? You know, dairy farmers need people to work them all year long. And, um, I've heard from, uh, what we call legacy farms here in utah um farms from the night like early 1900s that had to change their what they're with their what they're growing their crop from uh you know vegetables and fruit to alfalfa and hay because those are things that uh, they can be they can harvest without that uh manual labor that that work and as somebody who actually worked in um onion fields when i was growing up. Um, you know, I can echo what the farm workers are saying. Nobody is lining up to take those jobs. <laughs> yeah, nobody um, nobody is, is lining up to, to pick the fruit and uh, harvest uh, those onions. And uh, we have to protect that, that aspect of it because that is our first industry in America was, you know, we're, we're farm, we, agriculture was the first uh, industry. Um, and when we don't start protecting our farmers, um, we're going to start seeing a lot uh, different prices at the grocery store. So farm to uh, table prices are going to start uh, skyrocketing and we're going to see a big, huge difference. Um, but that's where, you know, my immigration platform comes in. I, I believe that we need to treat people humanely because um you know, there's these kids are watching and uh I don't want my nieces and nephews again to to be a target of uh blatant open racism that I think that we have um you know, ICE agents following orders that um that really they're acting like the Gestapo that, that they're raiding places that uh you know Without consideration of of, of the, these people belong in our communities, they're part of our churches, they're part of our, um, you know, they, their kids go to our schools, and um, we had a raid down in Moab, Utah, uh, not too long ago, and it's wiped out. Uh, it wiped out the hotel industry, and they were struggling to to stay afloat, and they were asking for uh, help, putting out, you know. Um, we need help. We need help. Everybody was uh, rounded up in a raid. And and that is not that's that's not OK. We've got to we've got to do better. We have to provide an opportunity for our dreamers to have uh, a pathway to citizenship as well as you know, really be humane when people are seeking asylum. You don't need to be, uh, you know, they've they've they're coming here. Because they are fleeing the life of, of, uh, that has treated them unfairly. They're, uh, fleeing persecution. And we shouldn't meet them and greet them with the machine guns in their faces, uh, just because, uh, they're coming from the Mexican border. Um, so I think that we have a lot of work to do. I'm all about bringing humanity back making
1: sure that people are, are treated uh, appropriately. So I'd like to actually go back in time to one of the roots of all of this, the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882. I bring up such old legislation because it's what criminalized undocumented status and put detention and deportation under federal jurisdiction, even though neither practice is mentioned in the Constitution. I'd like to specifically read a quick passage from Justice David Josiah Brewer's dissent in the Yu Ting case, in which a majority on the Supreme Court validated and expanded the Chinese Exclusion Act. The quote is in regards to deportation. Quote, it involves first an arrest, a deprival of liberty, and second, a removal from home, from family, from business, from property. It needs no citation of authorities to support the proposition that deportation is punishment. Everyone knows that to be forcibly taken away from home and family and friends and business and property and sent across the ocean to a distant land is punishment and oftentimes the most severe and cruel. What are your thoughts on Justice Brewer's dissent against the Chinese Exclusion Act?
2: No, I think that you know, when, we, um, when we blanket label groups, it just fosters an opportunity for discrimination and dehumanization. Um, so I don't think that we can, um, we should be able to deny access to any, uh, to people based on their ethnic group or nationality or, um, you know, we see with this, this president that, um, and this administration that they had begun um, targeting people of Muslim descent and uh, the, the practice that their religion and their faith was, you know, they, they were Muslims. And I think that, um, that's a dangerous place to be when you start targeting, uh, people, uh, of specific groups. I think that, you know, when, uh, I was watching on the news earlier and Trump said something about, we we don't learn from history. And, uh, and I, I just had a flashback to like Hitler and things, uh, you know him Hitler was great at uh, alienating groups and dehumanizing uh sectors of the population and and taking control and uh and allowing that that uh people to look at other human beings as less than which allowed for the annihilation of so many uh so many people um you know not just jewish but LGBT people, I mean, there's that just fosters that xenophobia and so I'm um, yes, I absolutely uh, I would love to read the dissent fully uh, but I am not for um,
1: for anything
2: that uses blanket statements or uh, excludes people and allows them to be seen less than any other but anybody else, that we all have an opportunity to you know, find our happiness and uh, liberty, life, and pursuit of, of happiness applies to all of us.
1: Given this, what are your thoughts on the proposals to remove immigration from national security?
2: Um, I would not uh, support defunding ICE. I would support um, re um, Uh, restructuring it, restructuring it so that it has uh, a humane component uh, to it, Uh, and you know, really vetting these people that you know, they say that there's a lot of people that are on, that are ICE agents that have been kicked off a police force for extreme brutality. We need to vet those people and make sure that they're not our ICE agents because um, you know, the people who are coming and seeking asylum, they're, they're family members. We should never, ever have gotten to, uh, that point where where we're allowing, um, people to become militias, um, <laughs> um, on the border and, uh, and they patrol the border themselves with guns. So I don't believe in defunding, I believe in redefining and, um, adding elements of humanity because we we all want to save America. Um, And we know that America thrives when we have, uh, you know, opportunities for people to come here and contribute. Uh, We're a nation of immigrants. So uh, we need to, to make sure that we have that in our forefront of our mind, that we do better when we have more voices at the table Uh, It's not a table that is exclusive to rich, white, uh, top one percenters. We need to start opening up that table and inviting everybody to have a seat.
0: I pretty much live there. So if that appeals to you, come join us.
1: And we want to give a very special shout out to our executive producer, Greg Stevens, and our producers, Brad Tracy and Renee Garcia-Brown.
0: Again, if you want to continue hearing interviews and conversations just like this one, we hope you'll visit patreon.com slash millenpolitics. That's patreon.com slash politics and join the movement. All right, now back to
2: the show.
1: What are your thoughts on the Trump administration's recent attacks on the transgender community?
2: I think it's disgusting. I think that it's not surprising, but it's disgusting. And when it becomes so common and normal for a president to, you know, separate and we need to We need to stand up. We need leaders who have a backbone that's going to stand up to this administration and say, Hey, these are my brothers and sisters. These are my community members. This is not okay. You do not get to define who they are. Uh, You don't get to deny them for being in the military. You do not get to, uh, you do not get to lessen their opportunities for, for happiness. And um, so I would, I would be actively vocal And uh, I would fight tooth and nail for my my trans brothers and sisters.
1: As I'm sure you know, the Trump administration is trying to get the Supreme Court to legalize anti-transgender discrimination. Given the ideological rightward shift of the Supreme Court, it certainly feels like something that can happen. Do you share the concerns about the Supreme Court? And... If the Supreme Court does rule against transgender rights, what could Congress do to combat that?
2: You know, I'm a mental health therapist, and I worked locally for our Utah Pride Center um, in the past. And I, I did it as my practicum for my master's degree. And, and I worked with trans, I, I held groups, I did uh, the trans youth group, and I did uh, a, some adult support trans groups and um and i was very very evolved with my community and um i don't think that uh our current congressman uh would speak out you know in support of our our brothers and sisters and um and I will. And, and that's the, uh, the big difference. I mean, the, the, and, uh, when we allow these injustices to to happen to, um, uh, vulnerable populations, we, we are, um, just allowing that to be one step closer to, to doing it to another group. So I, um, I have a lot of love for my trans brothers and sisters and my trans family. And, um, I do share your concerns with the Supreme Court nomination, um, and I think that it was rushed. Uh, and although it is extremely um, conservative at, at this time, I think that Congress has an opportunity to uh, look at the way that uh, that Kavanaugh was uh, given that opportunity to be on the. Supreme court justice and, and that the vetting process really did not provide an opportunity for all people that he had affected, um, and, uh, potentially, uh, harassed and, um, sexually via potentially, you know, those are quotes. Those are, um, I, I, I don't know. I don't have proof, but I sure would have loved an opportunity to hear what everybody had to say. So I think that Congress has an opportunity to revisit those things and to see if that uh, nomination is, uh, is just and if, if it should in fact stay or if there needs to be a different appointment.
1: And do you personally believe Dr. Ford?
2: Absolutely. There was nothing about, um, I believe survivors. I, (laughs) it's, you know as a, a mental health therapist i've worked with people with ptsd not just from you know veterans but people of sexual assault i have a lot of compassion uh, when it comes to to people finally being willing and able to share their stories with with the world like dr ford did the strength that that took uh and and i um Absolutely admire Doctor Ford for being so courageous to to share her story. But um, what was not courageous was the senators who ignored all the signs and uh, and the you know the testimony provided by Doctor Ford. They had some opportunity for our, our senators to show some real leadership, and they failed to do so. And when we look back uh in history from like 20 years from now they're going to be on the wrong side of history we had a a person who uh was being accused of crimes against women crimes sexually violent crimes and it showed a long history of of these actions since uh college what that rushing process uh we did we did uh he did an injustice for not just Dr. Ford but for all Americans and all survivors of sexual assault i um a part of my history is that i, I worked for the Division of Child and Family Services for a long time, and I had uh, an opportunity to to work with children who who were victims of uh sexual molestation and and you know when people find the strength to tell their stories, we need to listen.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and speaking with us.
2: I really appreciate you for inviting me, Jordan, and I, I thank you for this opportunity to to speak to you guys and um, and to your listeners and and I encourage everybody to get out and vote.
1: Absolutely. And now to said listeners, as always, to keep up with the podcast, make sure to subscribe on iTunes, follow Millennial Politics on social media, and tune into the Progressive Radio Network every week at 8pm Tuesday to listen to the newest episodes of the podcast. Thanks for listening.